Today's scripture reading is from Ezekiel 34, 1 to 6 and 11 to 16, page 722 in the Pew Bible. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God. Ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth, with none to search or seek for them. Now verse 11. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself, will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep and that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the country." I will feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich, rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd for, of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. This is a word of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Thank you. Father in heaven, we come before you and we thank you um, for this book of Ezekiel. Father, we confess to you so much of it is so foreign and hard for us to understand. Um, we can't imagine you taking one of us and making us act out plays in front of each other and unable to speak so that you might reveal yourself. But Father, we praise you that we have made it thus far in this book and we ask now um, that you would help us to see and to understand what's before us and that we um, would be drawn to you and to your son Jesus. Father, we need this. Um, Father, the unrest and um, the wars that are going around the world right now are, are more than we know how to bear. Father, many of us have stopped watching uh, or listening to the news because we are completely overwhelmed and um, don't know what to do. And Father, we confess that you know what to do. And so we pray, as you have taught us to pray, saying, Thy kingdom come. And Father, we want you to come. And we know that you bring peace. Uh, you speak peace and you bring peace. And we pray that you would do so. 
Lord Jesus, we pray that you would come back. Father, we know um, that many of us struggle to believe. Father, our faith is riddled with doubt. Uh, hand in glove are our doubt and our faith. And we praise you that you know that and that we don't have to hide that from you. In fact, it's impossible to hide from you. And Father, I pray that as we read your word, um, that each of us to a woman and a man in this room would be revealed before you, that we would be undone by how much you know about us and by how we hear your word spoken over us and how we are moved to worship you. Father, I praise you for the women and the men who are here today who have yet to put their faith and trust in you. Um, Father, I pray that this would be the day, that this would be the day that you would use the words that are thousands of years old that we have just read, and by your power, Holy Spirit, that you would make them alive and you would plant these truths into our hearts and you would bring from us repentance and faith. And Father, I pray um, for your people, your sheep, your daughters and sons, that in these next few minutes, um, they would sit at your feet and that they would be fed by your word, that you would feed them, Father, that you would comfort them in ways that I don't even know that they need to be comforted. Father, I echo Catherine's words. You are the good shepherd who knows all of our wounds. And we come to you and we ask you, Will you heal us? Father, we praise you that you are about to feed us in justice. We praise you that the cross of Christ reminds us that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Father, we pray that you would wipe out our guilt and that you would empower us as women and men created in your image to live for your glory. Father, please do more than we can ask or imagine in these few minutes. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, look, it would behoove you to turn to page 722 in those Blue Pew Bibles. Uh, we did read sections 1, verses 1 through 6, and then we skipped from 1 through 6. We skipped 7 through 10. Um, I'm going to give you a one-sentence summary of what 7 through 10 mean, uh, but then we're going to look at verses 11 through 16. I want you to see that one through six has to do with the shepherds of Israel. We're going to call them the bad sheep, all right, for this sake. And then 11 through 16 is the Lord God is declaring, I will be your shepherd. And then we're going to look and see how this possibly comes to pass. I have a true confession to make for you. Um, I'm your pastor. I've been part of this denomination and part of this presbytery since I became ordained. Mita and I moved up in 2000. I went to seminary from 2000 through 2002, was ordained in 2003, and I have never once preached at Presbytery. Never once. Now, do not call the clerk of Presbytery and tell the clerk of Presbytery that because I will be ratted out, and those of you who are teaching elders and ruling elders, if you turn me in, I'll know it was you, but I want you to know I've never preached at Presbytery. Every time, at least for the past 15 years, that I have thought, what would I preach at Presbytery? It's these verses. This is what I have thought ought to be preached at Presbytery. But I want you to know something. As I studied them, 
as Nathan and I studied them together this week, what became very clear to me is what the Lord is doing in his rebuke is to clear the way for his truth. Listen, those of you all who have hung in in this book of Ezekiel, I I recognize sermon series in Ezekiel, outlandish to believe that we could do it. The last 23 chapters, and those of you who are visiting, we went through 23 chapters in two sermons, so understand that we didn't belabor them too long. It's been exhausting to understand God's consistent judgment of Israel and Israel's priests and Israel's temple and Israel's worship, also seeing God's judgment of the nations around Israel. Nathan Dix said it very well, God takes sin seriously. But now what I want you to see is it's time in the book of Ezekiel for the gospel according to Ezekiel. Listen to me. Look up here. It's time for you to breathe and to receive. Because what I want you to hear is that God declares in these verses, I, I myself will be your shepherd. And that's good news. So let's look at see why in verses one through six, he talks about the bad shepherds first. Listen, the shepherds, just so that we're all on the same page, are the rulers of Israel, right? You know that Israel rejected God. They said, we don't want you to be our our king. We want a human king. And God says to Samuel, all right, Samuel, it's what they want. And so I'm going to give them a king. And the first king that God gave them was Saul, right? The kind of king that they wanted. You know, Saul was tall. Saul was handsome. Saul was a warrior, But from that very first shepherd, that king, that king of Israel, the kings were intended to represent God to the nation of Israel, right? That's what they were expected to do. And God says of these shepherds in verses 1 through 6, I reject you. I stand against you. That's what's said in 7 through 10, by the way. God declares in verse 10, against you shepherds I stand. And why is that? Because the shepherds have given the wrong teaching and explanation of who God is to the people. If you read verses 1 through 6, one of the very first things that you're going to see in those verses is that the sheep are scattered. And God says the sheep are scattered for a very particular reason. Because, shepherds, you have eaten them and you have beaten them. I told Nathan this week, I don't know where I found it, but I used to put and regularly put on top of my sermons on the very front page, don't eat the sheep and don't beat the sheep but feed the sheep. And of course, Nathan Barzi was able to tell me what book that came from and where it was. But I, I, I think this is where it's from. Because what you see is that these shepherds in verses 2 and 3, they eat the sheep. Listen to how you see that. And then we're going to see how they beat the sheep. Listen, it says this, Thus says the Lord, Ah, shepherds, in verse 2, Ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves, should, you, should not shepherds feed the sheep? But you eat the fat, and you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. Why is God rejecting the shepherds? Because the shepherds, the pastors, that's what the word means, because the leaders of his people have eaten them. 
Now, as far as I know, I don't know any kings of Israel that were cannibals. What does he mean? He means that the leaders of his people, whom he is rejecting in these verses, were those who used God's sheep for themselves. They consumed God's sheep for their own needs. We see it in the person of Saul, right? Do you remember where Saul was when he was crowned king? Do you remember that he was actually hiding among the baggage? Saul was a deeply insecure person. He either didn't know or he didn't trust in God's provision. Saul was the kind of guy that said, if it's going to be, it's got to be up to me. And Saul used God's people for his own intention. And the reason God is so frustrated is because when the leaders of God's people use God's sheep in such a way, they consume them for their own needs. They use God's sheep. They teach God's sheep something about him. Sheep learn. Sheep learn that I must feed God to get what I want. Do you see how opposite it becomes and why God is so judgmental over these shepherds? To treat God this way, that I must feed God to get what I want. Students, what if you need a good grade in class? What are you going to do? How do you think about that? Uh, what if any of us want relief from suffering? To see God this way, we would say, I must sacrifice something in my life because my sacrifice will require God to deal with me accordingly, right? Now, the illustration that I thought of this week, I, I thought it was Winnie the Pooh, but it's not. It's actually a bug's life. You know, uh, this is my life. It's not a lot, but it's our life. Do you know that phrase? In a bug's life, the queen ant is teaching the princess ant who's about to come the queen that every year they have to gather all of the seeds and all of the gifts and they have to give them to the grasshoppers as sacrifice so that the grasshoppers will, 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 will keep them safe from all the other bugs, right? All you children know this. And she says to the princess, it's not a lot, but it is our life. And that's the way they are protected Sacrifice precedes blessing. And the reason God is so angry with the bad shepherds is because that is not true. And I want to ask you a question. When have you and I believed that we must feed God to get what we want from Him? To the extent that you and I are tempted to sacrifice to God in order to get something from Him, we have imbibed the leadership of bad shepherds. Does this make me squirm at night? Absolutely it does. Does this make me wonder, oh Lord, have mercy, please, would your name be rightly glorified? But the second reason that we're told in verses 1 through 6 for why the bad shepherds are condemned by God. Why in verse 10 he says, I stand against you, shepherds of Israel. It's because the shepherds also beat the sheep. Look in verse 3. Jesus says this to them. He says in verse, excuse me, verse 4, he says, the weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, 
and with force and harshness you have ruled them. One way of understanding those words of force and harshness to get the picture is of violence and cruelty. You have broken the sheep. Mita and I have a grandchild. You all know this, and we live far away from our grandchild. And so in our utter uh, sadness that we live so far away, we thought it was really wise to go ahead and get a little puppy. And uh, I've determined that all of us, every 10 years, ought to have to raise a puppy because you begin to realize, wow, parenting is exponentially harder and I'm exhausted, and it's allowed us to pray for Ben and Lauren. But one of the temptations is to gain control over this thing and to think in your head, how do I potty what? Break it. (laughs) How do I break its will would be a negative way to think about how you love something. But God is saying here, the reason I reject you, shepherds, is because you beat the sheep. It's the same language that's used in Exodus 1 when the, Israel, when the Egyptian rulers are described as to how they cared for the Israelites in Egypt. The sheep, as a leader might say in that sense, the sheep belong to me and they're for my good and my purposes. I have one more question for you. How have you been tempted to believe that God treats you harshly? and with force. You know, as I sought my own heart and as I wondered about this, one of the places where I think I'm tempted to believe this is when suffering seems to be continuous and that the devil whispers in my ear, you know why you're suffering? Because God's end is actually your misery. And the whisper is, is that God desires us to be miserable. But another time when we begin to believe that God treats us harshly is when we begin to believe that God treats us as slaves. You are mine and I will break you. And that's what the shepherds of Israel had been teaching their people. Listen, we see it in the church, don't we? The danger of harsh pastors and rulers in the church who only want control. And because we know the condition of our own hearts, we so quickly grasp to force and to harshness. And God says in verse 10, and you can read 7 through 10 if you want to, I am against these shepherds. But that's not where this ends because this is the gospel This is the gospel according to Ezekiel where we are to breathe and to receive. And I want you to again look at verses 11 through 16 with me. Because in 11 through 16, God declares, God declares, I, I myself will be their shepherd. This is an incredible proclamation. What is God saying in a nutshell? He's saying, listen, the good news is I am not like the other shepherds of Israel. I am not like them. It is astounding if you read those six verses that there are 15, 15 eyes there. The Lord says over and over, and I'm just going to read the first two verses 
For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so I will seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered on the days of cloud and thick darkness. God says, I will be their shepherd. And he says the three things that he's going to do. He's going to gather them. He's going to feed them. He's going to heal them. And there's a fourth. He's going to feed them with justice. Look at them really quickly with me. One verses 11 and 12. He's going to gather them. Again, who's hearing this, you guys? Ezekiel isn't preaching to people in Jerusalem. Ezekiel is sharing God's word to those who have been in exile, who are enslaved, who are away from Jerusalem, right? And those exiles, those slaves are the one who say, to whom he says, God is going to gather you. Listen, they knew Psalm 107, and, and, and Amanda referenced it. Some of the songs we sing are, 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 are based on it. And just like the women are studying Psalm 118 this week, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for, his, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed say so. Those whom He has gathered from the north and the south, in the east and the west, God is our shepherd because he gathers us. But the second thing that he does is he feeds us. Look at verse 13. Verse 13 says it very clearly, doesn't it? And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land and I will feed them. I will feed them. Listen, God is declaring what is true he does not need us to feed him. There is no glass of milk. There is no meat that is on this altar offered from us to God. It is not true. He feeds us. The prophet Isaiah said it this way in chapter 55, Come to me, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy, and eat. And what are we to eat? But the steadfast, sure love that God promised David. His steadfast love. Listen to me. God's steadfast love is as much his action toward us as it is his character in who he is. But the third thing he says is that he will heal us and bind us. Look at verse 16. This is incredible. Listen to this. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. God, our shepherd, treats us the opposite of violence and cruelty, of force and harshness. Rather, God says, and I'm reading from Isaiah now, two verses, as he says of his nation Israel, I have seen his ways, but God says, I will heal him. I will lead him and restore comfort to him and his mourners, creating the fruit of the lips. 
We've talked about this before. The fruit of the lips is repentance and faith. And God creates it as he heals us. But the wicked are like the tossing of the sea, for it cannot be quiet. And its waters toss up mire and dirt. God, as our shepherd, heals us and binds up our wounds. But lastly, it says that God will feed us with justice in verse 16. This is not the only place in the Old Testament that God speaks this way. Isaiah 40 says he is speaking to Isaiah and he's saying, comfort, Isaiah, comfort my people. And then listen to what he says, speak tenderly to them. Don't scream at them, don't beat them. Speak tenderly to them, to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned and that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. God is speaking justice, and he's saying, I myself will pardon your iniquity. Because real comfort is not denying our sin, but real comfort is that God has dealt with our sin. But you have to read Isaiah 30, or Ezekiel 34, and you have to come away from it. Those, those exiles in Babylon go, how? How is this possible? How is it possible that God would do this? And the last verse that I'll point to you in Exodus 34 is actually the 23rd verse. And God says this, and I will set up over them one shepherd. I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And you leave this proclamation that God says, I, I myself will be your shepherd. And you ask yourself, well, is he or isn't he? Is it it the Lord himself or is it this servant of David, this other human being? And please know that the bells are going off in your head that the answer is yes, it is. It is the Lord himself, and it is a human being. This is the person and the work of Jesus Christ. This is the passage from which Jesus was able to say, I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. Why is it the servant of David? Remember, God gave the people saw because he was the type of king that they wanted. Tall, good looking, probably pretty smart, a warrior. But Saul, in his insecurity, in his doubting and not trusting in the provision of God for him, used God's people for himself. And God raised up another king, King David. Do you remember when Samuel went to David's father, Jesse, and said, I believe that God is calling one of your sons to be the next king. Would you bring him to me? And they started from the oldest and went all the way down, and he kept going, nope, not that one. Nope, not that one. Nope, not that one. And he got to the end and go, isn't there one more? And they said, yeah, there is one more, the youngest. But he's out in the field with the sheep. And Samuel says, bring him to me. And indeed, it was that shepherd boy that was the one who is called the man after God's own heart. Who were the first people to hear about Jesus' coming? The announcement was made to them. Who was it? You know this. It was shepherds in the night 
keeping watch over the flock. And the angels of the Lord came to them and proclaimed that a shepherd was born. What did Jesus do when he came? He gathered his sheep, didn't he? His disciples. He went and said, you follow me, 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 you follow me. And he went up onto a mountain and what happened? The crowds came and gathered on the mountainside. And what happened there on the mountainside? Mark tells us that Jesus had compassion on his sheep. And he looked at them as sheep who were without a shepherd. And he looked at his disciples and he says, you guys, feed them. And they looked at him and they go, we can't feed them. Send them home. Look at them. There's so many. We don't have food. And Jesus says, have them sit down. And Jesus took the food that they gave him and he prayed and he fed 5,000 sheep. He fed his sheep. Jesus feeds his sheep, but he also heals and binds them. Do you remember what happened on the Sabbath day when the man with the withered hand was in the synagogue and Jesus came to the synagogue on the Sabbath day? Do you remember how he looked and they put the man in front of him and they were testing him to see if he would heal on the Sabbath? And Jesus looked at them and he said, which one of you? Who has a sheep and your sheep were to fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, would not reach down and pick your sheep up, sheep up and pull him out of the pit. And he looks at this man, and he goes, How much more value is this one to me? And with such compassion, he turns and he heals the man. But it's John chapter 10 when the apex of this passage is pronounced in Jesus' life. When Jesus stands up and he says, I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. Because this is real comfort. Jesus feeds us with justice. He does not ignore our sin. Listen, anybody that's read the last 23 chapters of Ezekiel knows that God doesn't ignore sin. And listen, if you're here today and you go, maybe I can just get this sin under the table and nobody's going to know about it. You're feeling guilty and you're wondering, well, maybe I, I won't think about that sin. I'll think about how good that bread is going to taste when I come up here. The book of Ezekiel teaches us one thing. God doesn't ignore sin, but his solution to our sin is so much greater than any of us can comprehend. He feeds us with justice because Jesus laid down his life for us. That's amazing. It's absolutely incredible that his solution defeats our sin, defeats death even. Jesus dies for us. That is real comfort. So much so that John can say in 1 John, if we confess our sins, he is faithful in what? Faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus, our great shepherd, feeds us with justice. But his personality is described for us from a passage of Isaiah that says that a bruised reed and a smoldering wick he will not break or snuff out. You guys, let me ask you something. And I want to tell you, you can't come to this supper. No, I'm not going to say that. You've got to come to the supper. Ask yourselves before you come to the supper, do I or don't I believe that Jesus deals with me 
with compassion and kindness. That is root to who we are and who we believe Jesus to be. What aspect of Jesus as your great shepherd, your good shepherd, do you need to be reminded of today? I'm going to close by just simply reading two stanzas from a song that we sing all the time. Jesus said, if I am weak, I should come to him. No one else can be my strength. I should come to him. For the Lord is good and faithful. He will keep us day and night. We can always run to Jesus. Jesus, strong and kind. Jesus said, if I am lost, he will come to me. And he showed me on the cross, he will come to me. For the Lord is good and faithful. He will keep us day and night. We can always run to Jesus. Jesus, strong and kind. Pray with me.